Playing the latest episode of All Over the Road, New Orleans. Tell me you live in Louisiana right now without telling me you live in Louisiana. What in the 2021 Delta variant protesting, mask wearing, Lombardi trophy tossing, deep south freeze, Britney's conservatorship, T-boy swinging, trailer park, sucker punch, South Louisiana, two years in a row, hurricane bullshit is this? I got some words for you, Miss Ida. We will refuse your entry if you are not vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, you must show us proof that you have a negative COVID test within the last 72 hours. But seeing as how you've been frolicking in the Caribbean for the last few days, I'm pretty sure you can't provide either of those. I was born in the rain on the Pontchartrain, train underneath the Louisiana moon. If you ain't prepping for another hurricane in Louisiana, then where the you at? Don't mind the strain of a hurricane. They come around every June. All Over the Road New Orleans is brought to you by Coin Trader Inc. Mind your money. Come on to Coin Trader Studios, we're bringing it live. And who am I? I go by the name of Darkest Night. And Jada Hoyos is the one who brings a sick beat. To which we're getting pumped for topics this week. So let me grab my great soda and take a sip. While I turn it over to Katie, Nick, Ted, and Vic. It's all over. We're all over the road. We got a brand new show. So just lo and behold. From the bayou to the city to the burbs to the swamps. You better know what time it is when you're hearing that. Uh. And thank you to the both of you for tuning in to All Over the Road to Orleans, the podcast. I'm the king of all podcasting, Victor Del Drono. My court today is my brother in broadcasting, Ted Semper, the executive producer of the show. Teddy, welcome. I'm the executive producer. Don't tell me. Well, you're executive producer. He's producer. You're executive producer. Oh, I got it. Yeah, oh, there's a, yeah, we have distinctions in it. Hey, stop your griping. At least you got a title. <laughs> you're white, you're yeah. white collar. Okay. Thank you very much. You're white collar. He's Thank blue you. collar. And of course, from WTN Nashville, the lovely and talented Michael Del Giorno, our political I, correspondent. I am executive brother. He is. He is. And of uh, course, Michael, right. Michael, you know, um, is the guy that stole Greg Berlin's silk pajamas and wore the pajama pants for the entire 1970 summer. And uh, I just took a trip to Nashville to uh, see Michael and was on, uh, was fortunate enough to be on WTN in Nashville for uh, three shows we did, I think, Moke, wasn't it? We did three shows. Did three shows. Can I tell Ted what you did to me? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so first of all, I'm live on the air, Ted, and he just yeah. comes in all noisy, opening uh-huh. up the door, sitting down, spills, it's cop. I mean, makes all this freaking noise. So then, now I'm self conscious that he's there, and I know what he's doing. He hasn't seen me in a couple of months. I could, I could, fe- I could feel him staring at me. So I look, and you know, he's just sitting there. And I'm, I'm watching his eyes, and I know he's looking at my belly. Then I could see him looking at my bald spot on my head. The bald spot, I so, There. So then I got all self conscious. So then he's like, he takes me to Walgreens. He goes, uh-huh. they've got products for this. Yeah, I, I bet they do. So I'm in Walgreens, and I walk by with Nick real fast, the aisle, hoping he won't see it. He finds it. He yells from across the Walgreens, I got him, Moe, come on. <laughs> yes, and, I know, do. He, yes, I just, do. First of all, he just, and he grabs light brown, not even the color of my hair. Then he made me get on my knees out on the sidewalk in front of Walgreens. The People parking are walking lot. by, yeah. and he's dumping this stuff on my bald spot and shaking it around. <laughs> there, your bald spot's gone. It's fixed. What do we eat? Well, first of all, first of all, first of all, um, whatever a big brother tells you to do, you do. That that's just the way it goes. That's 
rite of passage. But mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that it was a powder. I thought it was going to be a spray. Remember Ron Propeel had the spray? Oh, this is a powder, like a colored powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you something. Covers the, yeah, yeah, it's okay. amazing. It's amazing. It's an amazing it product. It, 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 it was gone. The, I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a bald spot. What do you think, Vic, about the size of a half dollar at the top of the car uh, of my head? Oh, oh, no. It's the size of a yarmulke. It's the size of a yarmulke. Uh, yeah, whatever. It, when he did it, it was gone. I, I don't know how it works to say it spooked me. It's well, a powder. It's, a, it, it's a powder, and it gets in there, yeah. and, it, and it gets mixed yeah. up with the hair. And the before and after shots are great. Maybe you could get uh, those before and after shots to Ted, and we can put it up on the Facebook page. And yeah. then you can get like a, a first sponsor from the whatever. It wasn't Profield, though. Was <laughs> I, forgot I, the name I, of it. I forgot the name of it. But we did get the wrong color because I didn't have my glasses, and I couldn't see a dang well. thing. Um, but the other thing I was noticing when I got there, and this goes back to stealing Greg Berlin's pajamas. And um, uh, wearing them the entire summer, you know, Michael and Nick took a recent trip to Cooperstown, New York, to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he bought a T-shirt that's it's a nice T-shirt. It's embroidered. It's a beautiful T-shirt. And it says Cooperstown, you know, across it. And apparently for three days, listen to me, the guy, listen, the guy takes a shower and then puts on the same dang shirt. I know. I'm embarrassed. For three days in a the row. Guy. The Damn, guy. Michael. Michael. I mean, I'm yeah, thinking, that guy. I'm going, who does that? I mean, what do you do? Put it, well, you put right, on the same pair? I would just like to say, it's kind of the COVID rut. I mean, I don't leave my house. <laughs> I do my show for my, I did Michael Savage's <laughs> national show with 10 million listeners in my underwear. I think yeah. I'm losing my hygiene. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's the, that's the, that, I noticed that. Well, I, of course, I didn't notice that the yeah. first day. I, I noticed the bald spot the first day, but by day three, I'm going, what the heck is going on here? Is this, is this like, uh, is this like deja vu all over again? Is this Groundhog Day? What the heck? But, uh, yeah, he made me very, I forgot what it was like to be so self conscious. It's nice to have him back. And this will tell you a little bit about Nashville, a little bit about the listeners of WTN, Ted. You know, we were at the mall, and it's so funny because I was here back in March, and he's got two 17 year old identical twin daughters who are a blast. And so we're at the mall, and the last time we were here, you know, it was during, of course, it's been COVID for 18 months. They're at the lipstick counter at Dillard's, and they go to grab and touch a lipstick, and this Natasha type comes around the corner and goes, Don't you touch a lipstick! You can't, <laughs> you, you, you can't touch a lipstick! It scared the crap. And, and these girls scared the crap out of them, you know. Yeah. So we go back there. And, you know, the lady recognizes me. And I go, stay away from Natasha. Don't touch the lipstick, you know. And she's, like, following us around the store. Well, Michael goes and, and then runs into a, a retail lady that asked him about Phil. How's Phil doing? And now, you know, Michael's mm-hmm. not running around town with a with a uh, shirt that has his name on it. He's got Cooperstown, New York shirt. Um, and I so, think it was day two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it had, yeah, day two. It had a little funjad and Italian, a little stain. But anyway... <laughs> The, the lady says, hey, Michael, obviously recognized his voice because he is kind of loud. He is. He's very loud. And uh, says, how's Phil doing? And just the, the, the outpour of the city of love for this guy, Phil Valentine, that's been on WTN for, what, 20 years, Michael? Something like that? Yeah, more than that. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a very, very, I was, you know, I was impressed with the mall. I mean, their mall there is like. You know that. The one woman that you're really thinking of, because the one was very concerned, and then the other could see how beaten up I was. And, you know, I did a word study a while back, and I don't want to offend anybody that's not of faith, but even if you're not of faith, you'll appreciate this. 
So we talk about encouraging one another. Well, encouraging isn't saying, hey, uh, Ted, uh, you're going to be fine. Encourage mm-hmm. is to actually present your courage in their place. And so, you know, there are times when we're weak and I need someone else's courage. There's times they'll be weak and they need my courage. And that's how, mm-hmm. as an eternal family, we cover for each other. And I think what Vic probably saw, too, was there was another woman with her. And she could see how tired and defeated I was. And this woman stopped asking how Phil was. And she began to just discuss the blood of Jesus and took charge. And in the middle of a mall, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how uncomfortable this would make some people. It was very welcome for me. I was feeling so weak. This woman grabbed my hand, grabbed my mother's hand, and began to pray for Phil out loud. And she's an employee. Wow. That's and awesome. mall. And it's yeah. moments like that that I, you know, th- this is mm-hmm. a special place I live. And these are my favorite listeners ever. We really are a family. We really do love each other. Gentlemen, are you ready to take a ride? Huh? Anybody ready to take a ride? Let's go! Yes. Yes, indeed. Let's take a ride. And, of course, the ride is on the crazy train <laughs> that you would call Shepherdy. What a crazy train that Jeopardy has become. You know, uh, we mentioned on the last show, the guy, now, now Mike, was he the creator or the producer of Jeopardy, the guy that hosted for a little bit? They, they tried the three big winners uh, to host it. You know, the, the gambler, the professional gambler, the other guy, and they just weren't very good. And they tried Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And then, what? Yes. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that, Ted? I, I think in the uh, end, I'm not the end, the in the end, Aaron Rodgers was the runner-up. He was their second choice. He almost yeah. got it. But the guy that ended up getting wow. it was the executive producer of the show. He kind of gave it to himself. Am I, am I correct? Didn't he kind of? Yeah, it? Mike. Mike Richards um, ended up getting the show. They were yesterday beginning filming of the first episodes with him as the permanent host when the 46-year-old was being called out by the Anti-Defamation League, uh, and they were calling for an investigation. Basically, they had dug up a podcast he had done with a close friend, and they said that there were some derogatory women uh, remarks made about women. This term for a long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. Ken, what's a hoe? No. People with mental disabilities and little people, it sounds like using, you know, the words you use to describe men- mm-hmm. the R word we don't use for mental disability, the M word we don't use for short people. Or little people. What do you mean, midget? And, and I, sh- I, short- I, shorten it, I shorten it to midge, and I leave, right, out, so I but, leave out the jit. But all, but all joking <laughs> aside, uh, that's it. That's the level of the crime in a podcast nearly 10 years ago, of which he comes out and gives a formal apology, but that's not enough. Because the tweet says that the new Jeopardy host, Mike Richards, disparaging remarks about Jewish women, Asians, are no laughing matter. This type of stereotyping is an entry point to hatred. And his apology, it lacks acknowledgement of the harm that is done. Well, obviously, nobody heard this podcast, number one, until they bring it up. Number two, it obviously didn't lead to hatred. Three, he did apologize. I don't know what they would want him to do, fall on a samurai sword. And by the time my show ended today at noon, which yet on this day is the 20th, he had to step down. And, and I just remind everybody, this is the cancel culture that we live in. The red flags 
are that our kids could be doing something on TikTok today at nine years old, or you could be right. posting something on Facebook, or we could be doing something on a podcast today that somebody's going to keep in their back pocket until we run for governor just or have some level of success and then use it to destroy us. And there is no redemption and there is no forgiveness. That's the lie of this forgiveness, godless mm. culture we have chosen and false yeah, gospel. And it, and it may be Richard's today, but it could be Vic tomorrow, me Thursday, Dad, you mm-hmm. Sunday. Our kids. So did, did the um, well? Did the show make him step down, or did he just voluntarily step down? Well, who's, I don't. I who's forcing when, when this to things, happen? When, when these things happen, I mean, there's conversations behind the scenes, and I'm sure it was it was a group decision. Mm-hmm. But why isn't I'm sorry enough? It was ten years ago, yeah. or you know, right. no one will even discuss what he said. I mean, I think I can tell by the. The, the Anti-Defamation League's accusation, he must have used the R word or the M word. I mean, he's joking around with, with a buddy yeah. of his. And, you know, and I always remind everybody that listens to my show, every day I do about 50 minutes an hour, three hours a day, and I never know which day is my last. They, they move the goalpost. They move the goal line. I never know, you know, if, if my own company or somebody's going to come against me. Who could live up to this world police? But in this cancel culture, there is no forgiveness. There right. is no redemption. And I think that's a bad trade compared to the eternal God we once lived under. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, well the, the cancel culture is something that is a little bit out of control, um, obviously. And, you know, when we were growing up, uh, and, and of course, I mean, they have them now, for instance, and it becomes brain sludge in your, hat, in your head. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. And and there was one that I used to sing all the time, uh, which is... Um, uh, boy, I would say uh, Martha would bring me, break me out in parties and go sing the... Um, uh, oh, Bluebell. Bluebell ice cream. Bluebell ice cream uh, up there in uh, not far from Houston. Uh, just great ice cream. It's, you know, they, they call it the, Blue best, Bell yeah. homemade ice cream. the best ice cream in the country or whatever. Well, they had this one yeah. jingle they ran one time and it went like this. It went, I remember my country home with green grass growing, flowers blooming along the path. Uh, beside the swimming hole and mama hollering through the screen would you kids like some homemade ice cream that was a much simpler time and place bluebell brings back the old-fashioned days or something like that so they ran that guy would come on with the bluebell ice cream bluebell bluebell it's it's been recalled 50 times but it's the best ice cream they're always recalling something but the one the one that i remember most is and Ted, uh, I'm sure you can find it on the internet. Was the Aunt Jemima one that went, and of course, Aunt Jemima is no more. All right, Aunt Jemima's gone. Aunt Jemima has been canceled like she never happened. And it was, um, it was like uh, Aunt Jemima waffles without her syrup is like a boy without his mom. There's only one thing worse in this universe. And that's no Aunt Jemima at all. Well, there is no more Aunt Jemima. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I just uh, looked it up real quick. It's called the Pearl Milling Company. Is that <laughs> Pearl Milling Company is now and what Aunt Jemima was. Wow. Well, let me tell you the story about Aunt Jemima. Okay. 
And mm-hmm. this is this is the background on Aunt Jemima. And really, Aunt Jemima should have been celebrated and not canceled. And this is why. The branding of the syrup was a tribute to this woman's gifts and talents. Now, future generations will not even know this beautiful woman existed. What a shame. The world knew her as Aunt Jemima, but her given name was Nancy Green, and she was a true American success story. She was born a slave in 1834 in Montgomery County, Kentucky, and became a wealthy superstar in the advertising world as, it, as, as its first living trademark. Green was 56 mm-hmm. years old when she was selected as a spokesperson for a new ready-mix self-rising pancake flour and made her debut in 1893 at the Fair Exposition in Chicago. She demonstrated the pancake mix and served thousands of pancakes and became an immediate star. She was appealing and her showmanship was exceptional. Her um, exhibition booth through so many people that special security personnel were assigned to keep the crowds moving. Nancy Green was signed to a lifetime contract, traveled promotional tours all over the country, and was extremely well-paid. Her financial freedom and stature as a national spokesperson enabled her to become a leading advocate against poverty in favor of equal whites to all Americans. She maintained her job until her death in 1923 at age 89. This was a remarkable woman, and she has been erased by political correct liberals. I want you to know and remind you of this cancel culture time, period. And there is no more Aunt Jemima at all. And, um, you know, when I read this story, I was like, oh, my God. I just thought it it was just, you know, it, you know, it sounded good. It was catchy. But this is a story mm-hmm. that is ne- that that uh, will never be told again. Never be told no. again. And this is no. what's happening, you know, with this cancel culture, you know, trying to be correct. Uh, Michael, now, have you done probably some shows on this, correct? Yeah, I mean, Nancy Green was who was chosen to be the face. There is no technically real Aunt Jemima. Correct, that correct. was the brand. And, and she, out of all the people that auditioned, became it. And she's an extraordinary story. They don't care about that. And they wouldn't even care if you read this story. They think they've got a better message in how dare elite white people sit in their suburban house and drown their pancakes in a picture of somebody who looks like a slave. Which, if that was their real argument, they addressed by changing the face of Aunt Jemima, which everybody forgets, happened about a decade ago. And then that wasn't enough. And then at the end of the day, you just got to ask yourself, okay, so how are the Native Americans any better? And whatever happened to them, which, by the way, they're writing every day in a casino they're opening, but that's another story. But how is their life any better now that we don't say Washington Redskins? And we just say Washington the football team. And soon, or and soon say, there'll be no Cleveland Indians. I mean, the Cleveland Indians. No Cleveland yeah. Indians. We're going to say Guardians. Guardians. And in the case of now, we're going to, well, probably move on and just get small cabin. And, of course, that's what it is. So, you know, but they're not in it for anything other than um, trying to create a future, not correct a reality. And then people should get more interested in not what they're erasing, but what they're trying to draw. That's my take on it. Well, what branch of government is going around and doing this? I mean, who does this? I mean, of course, we went through the thing here in New Orleans where street names were changed and statues were torn down and at least circle uh, where everybody gathered for Mardi Gras, where there was Robert E. Lee. Uh, it's a very famous landmark and it had a big, tall pedestal. And I mean, hundreds of feet in the air, I think. Uh, and uh, they tore that down. The pedestal's still there. There was a recliner there for a period of time. I don't know how these guys got a recliner up there. A lazy boy. <laughs> Seriously, there was a lazy right, boy. Right, right. There was a lazy boy up there. Yeah. Um, but uh, and his one less 
soldier died in the Civil War because of this? Is New Orleans any better or safer or united right. of a place because of this? Of course not. So there, there, there must be this a cancer culture committee then or a group. I, I mean, yeah, who but, are these but I don't think, um, well, Vic, I don't think it's uh, a government that's actually behind it. There may be politicians that, you know, gang up and take a stand. But, but buckle to it. Culture, they, buckle, they buckle to it. They buckle. Yeah, yeah, they go along with it because they think that's the way to go. But the cancel culture, I think it takes place on social media. Daily reminder, social media is safe. Yeah, social media is the big vehicle they use. I think there's another aspect that, um, that you'll find interesting, and that is that these mm-hmm. people are now CEOs. So had you tried this crap, pardon my pun, uh, 50 years ago, you would, because when it doesn't matter what topic we're talking about or what we're studying, you're going to see the age difference. Uh, they did a recent uh, poll, um, um, what is it, Barnum, did a recent poll on those that, this is on spiritual pluralism, so I know it's a different topic, but asking people, do you think Muhammad can get you to heaven just like Jesus? Or do you think Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, doesn't matter which one, you'll end up in the same place, which is universalism, which is pluralism. And you could only find 10% of those under 30 in the United States that would strongly disagree with that statement. That yes, Buddha, Muhammad, they all lead to the same place. Jesus, they all lead to the same place. So what you're seeing is the indoctrination that has taken place for decades and decades. And it's happened in the intelligentsia at university. It's happened in Hollywood. It's happened in movies and sitcoms and dramas and cartoons. They have carefully played this. For decades, and you're seeing the results. And kind of like the Taliban, who sat patiently for 20 years, knowing mm-hmm. America would eventually leave, they're waiting to pounce. And so they're really looking at these numbers. And what you're seeing, what you're feeling already, is that the CEOs that would have said this is nonsense, you know, go dry up and just hang the phone up, they died. These are the younger indoctrinated people that are now controlling business and making these ad decisions that are bowing to it. That's a big part of it. So social media plus the coming of age of a generation of indoctrinated and a godless culture is your answer. Now, why they start with Aunt Jemima and the Washington Redskins is beyond me. But that's not where they plan to finish. Don't forget on the next show, on the the next show, sorry to interrupt, we're going to have Matthew McConaughey on the show and on the future show, Justin Timberlake. And uh, we're also going to have Mr. Obama on the show, the former president who had uh, his uh, toned down party. Has anybody, oh, and just getting back to the cancer culture, a big thing here in New Orleans is there's no more Dixie beer. Okay. And that's a big thing here. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Dixie Beer was not doing very well about three years ago. And Tom Benson, God rest his soul, who was the owner of the Saints. And if you watch the Hall of Fame game, uh, the NFL Hall of Fame game in Canton every year, that's Tom Benson Field. He donated the money for that. Benson was into everything. He was a tremendous philanthropist as long as as well as being the guy that literally saved the Saints because they were gone until until Tom Benson stepped in. Um, he bought the uh, brewery about, I think it was 2016, and actually what had happened over time, I don't know if you know this, Michael, but they had changed the recipe. Some pencil, heck, pencil neck geek somewhere with some agency said, you know, let's tweak the thing, we can tweak it, and, and it, it screwed it up. Well, when he bought it back, back, he brought back the original recipe, the original, uh, you know, formula for Dixie Beer. And I remember uh, going to some Pelican games, um, uh, you know, in the Smoothie King Arena, and tasting it uh, on, on tap from the draft, and it was delicious. It was awesome. And you could taste the difference when they changed it. But now there's no more Dixie beer. 
And yep. I'm telling you, Dixie beer memorabilia, it's, I mean, people are scrambling to get their hands on it. Scrambling. Um, I was able to get a hold of a little tap thing that you pulled to, to draw the beer. I was able to get one of those. I was able to get a couple signs. Now, I don't do that because I'm a, a racist. It's just New Orleans. I mean, Dixie right. Beer was, I mean, and, and as a matter of fact, they built the VA hospital, the new VA hospital, and it's kind of connected to the old Dixie Beer building. Now, the building is no more, but the facade is still there. What's the use of keeping that facade? You know, I mean, they changed it to some goofy name, some bywater name. I don't know what she changed it to. I, I, didn't, I should have done my research, but, you know, you know. Yeah, I just know. Well, I, I Googled. So Dixie Beer returned to local shelves in August of 2017, but the, the beer continues to be brewed out of state at the Blue City Brewery in Memphis, Tennessee. That's bizarre. But yeah. so I'm trying to understand. So you, you think its demise ultimately came because of its name, Dixie? Yes. Oh, yes. well, that's, what it, that's what the news story was. Yeah. 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 Because of the name. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's really, and, and, people, and people are, yeah, and, you know, they just, you know, canceled. They just canceled like it, like, like it never happened. Like a lot, a lot of other things that they did here. But my question still is, who are these people? You know, who are these people? Who is the committee? Who are the people doing this? Um, you know, I, I wish somebody would tell me who they are, because I would just like to know who well, they are. Depends. Each individual story is, is different. You know, in some cases, it's Antifa, some cases, it's Black Lives Matter. In some cases, it's this group or that group or far left group. Um, I kind of agree with with uh, with Ted and that a lot of this ta- has taken off with social media. So we've discussed this in the past. I discussed it on my show. If, if you haven't seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma, that's a real eye opener. Those are the very people that created the algorithms and the Facebook product, the Google product. Uh, and they know what it's created in terms of addiction uh, and divisiveness and how it's put us in very social extreme positions. In fact, we have never been more pointed. In fact, the, really, the, the whole documentary ends with we're on a path to civil war. And I think that they're right. So, Mm-hmm. But I think that's been the vehicle. It doesn't change the past. In fact, it, it makes the past and the division added to the present. And th- that's what I find over and over again. So I think it's anarchists and people that want to create a new tomorrow. And the only way to defeat this government up for and by the people is by destroying it and how we became what we became right. and then implementing something new and making you fight for it. So I think it's for the very purposes of not fixing the past, but destroying the future. Well, you know, slavery, slavery, they, uh, you know, Right. I don't think the cancel culture wants to be uh, noticed or recognized as a person by a person's name. Otherwise, you could look up their name and see if they did something on a podcast 10 years ago. You know, it's just the cancel culture. It, there's never anybody named. There's no person attached to it. Yeah, is, yeah, it, is, it, is it the NAACP or the OBGYNs? I mean, who's doing this stuff? Well, or in the case of in the case of Mike Richards and Jeopardy, it was the... Uh, uh, Alliance Defense Fund, or not Alliance Defense Fund. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm blank. What I even said it. What? Um, help him, Ted. I mean, you can dump him. <laughs> no, I said help him. Help him, Ted. <laughs> no, it was the um, not Alliance Defense uh, Anti Defamation League. I mean, I think if we went back and researched all of them, somebody comes forward. Or a movement begins. But the question is, what do all of them add up to? And what are they all after? They're all after this. I mean, we've abandoned God and absolute truth for moral relativism. And moral relativism is ever-changing because truth is ever-changing if truth is in the eye of whoever wants to have it. So all it takes, Vic, in that equation, there is no to say, well, that's ridiculous. 
It's not ridiculous. If somebody says, I believe I'm half goat, half woman, half male, and simultaneously, that's a new gender. Yeah. If somebody says, uh, Aunt Jemima, you know, is celebrating slavery. Oh, well, we better run from that. Uh, because they got nothing to run to. But don't you guys think that cancel culture extends back to being politically correct? I don't know if y'all remember, and I don't, I don't know if I have a date. Like, when did you first hear the term politically correct? Was it in the 80s? Uh, 90s? I don't know. It wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? And it's just progressed to this point. Now it's just canceled. You know, everything, everybody's offended. You know, the whole thing about this guy being canceled or anybody else is because they're offending somebody. Did, right? did any of you guys see, did any of you guys see so, Van- Vanilla Ice's post he did a while back on cancer culture and pop culture? Uh, the Vanilla Ice guy, it's his uh, Ice Ice Baby. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I didn't see it. Though. Well, he had a story out that said that uh, when the internet came along in the '90s, it, destru- it destroyed pop culture. And he, he goes into you know how you know remember the when when MTV came on that video killed the radio star, and then uh, then came social media, and it killed pop culture because there, there is no pop culture anymore. And he well, goes, actually, it was, it, it's actually I think it's threefold, but I, I would also say the advent of everything being on the phone. So that would go to jobs, um, and then social media. Social media more than internet. Social media is when everything began to be created to engage us and keep us engaged. And the problem with those algorithms are, is they know you better than yourself. So they're data storage, and there's so many issues wrapped in one that nobody ever starts unpacking it. But once your phone knows everything about you, you know, you talk about there is an enemy. Well, this enemy knows everything about you. It knows what you peek at that you shouldn't be peeking at, what you dwell on that you shouldn't be dwelling on. It I knows can't... what you buy, what you're thinking about buying. And I... so it knows how to constantly tempt you and keep you engaged. Ted. So well, the moment we began to project a life rather than live it, we lost pop culture is the reality. Ted. Now, that doesn't even get into loneliness, suicide, and so on. Yeah. Ted, Michael, I can tell you this. I am bombarded with emails about and, and pop-ups about pastry. <laughs> <laughs> if there's something pastry going on, I know about it. You know, you know what? I, I, love, I, love, I love playing that game. One time I looked at I was just curious, how much are Bentley's? And the next thing you know, every time I went on Facebook, I'm getting all these Bentley ads, and I was like, hey, this spruce the joint up a little bit. I look classy now. Yeah. Well, you know, Forrest Wait, Gump. Did, you just, Forrest did Gump. you just say that? Yeah, you just said that, and it, your phone picked it up or something. Is that what you mean? No, I you actually, actually, you know, like you Googled it. I yeah. looked at a few, and then all of a sudden, my commercials were all Bentley. Did so you ever talk about something you do? Yeah, and then, of course, you you're talking about who the heck is what is Bentley? Us to be, what is Bentley? Bentley is a car out of England. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. I know like, that, but geez, how do you get five hundred thousand dollars? I don't even know. Have you been peeking? Like have, you been peeking have you been peeking under Bentleys? Is that what you've been doing? I've peeked at a Bentley. Jeez. Well, you could do worse things. I can tell you that. You could do worse things. But oh, I assure you, I've done those too. But uh, you know, yeah. have have you ever just been talking about something, maybe to your wife or something? You know, just private conversation, and then an ad pops up for it. That's now. I haven't noticed that. I've I need to talk to times. my wife more out loud. It could just, it could <laughs> <laughs> if you don't talk out loud, it's not going to happen. That's <laughs> well, that's why you don't have an Alexa. An Alexa is it Alexa? Alexa? Who is she in the house? Alexa. 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 You don't have one of those yeah, in the Alexa house. Alexa can hear all that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
yeah. No, I mean, The yeah. Social Dilemma, I always tell my listeners, you got to watch the documentary, The Social Dilemma. In fact, every mm-hmm. parent needs to, every person needs to. Uh, the movie The Circle, if you've never watched Black Mirror, which is a very bizarre modern-day Twilight Zone on Netflix, there's an episode in one of the scenes called Nosedive, which is really The Circle on steroids, and probably more likely where it's headed, and that's what they're doing in China, whereas just as you have a credit score in order to be able to buy something and someone trusts you to buy it, you'd have to have a human-like score for people to let you live in their apartment complex or to qualify to live in their neighborhood. So now, instead of projecting a life online rather than living it, you have to project a life in real life in order to have a like score to be able to commerce. I mean, it's really bizarre, strange stuff, but it's real. And you know what? You're only halfway there and noticing it and diagnosing it because we still don't know how to stop it, including us, who have probably looked at our phones 100,000 times today already. Right. Yeah. All right, Ted, uh, we talked a little bit on the last show about uh, what's going on with COVID and you just can't escape. And I'm sure it's going to be even amped up by the time this uh, podcast airs. Now, Ted is uh, putting on a shindig on October the 1st. His lovely daughter, Mary, is going to be married in Baton Rouge on October the 1st. And I want to congratulate Mary. She just got a celebrated an anniversary at her job. Let me tell you something about Mary. She is a freaking pit bull. She is a beast when it comes to work. She knows how to hustle. She knows how to make money. She works hard. Anybody that's ever employed her loves her and doesn't want to get doesn't want to, her to leave. Now, are there any you have any uh, fears that this thing may not go on on October the first? Oh, at this point, I'm ready for it to just to happen. You know what I mean? It's been uh, you know we're like a month and a half away from the date. I mean, what, what if what if you have to have a vaccine and card to get into the, where you're having the reception? Where's I, the where's the reception? I know. At? I, it's uh, it's here in Baton Rouge, so it's in it's in East Baton Rouge Parish, and I can't even remember the name you, of the place. But um, you need to have a, could, a plan yeah. B. You need to have a plan B. I mean, what happened? I mean, yeah. seriously, Ted. I mean, what happens? I mean, because anything can happen. I mean, that's you know, that's that can that's anything. By can, the way, uh, I am ordained. I could marry her and her oh, or spouse to be, but it can't be in Tennessee. Yeah. That's the only state I'm not licensed. It can't be in Tennessee. No, I don't know why. That'd had, be kind of fun. A friend of mine needs to get <laughs> a friend of mine needs to get married, and I had to get ordained to marry him in Georgia. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I would think you know the guesstimates on this are. I think yeah. December and October looks really bad. All right, Ted. Let me ask you something. Okay. How many people are invited? I don't know. This? I don't know. I guess it'll, the wedding is about 150 people. 150. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, 150. So, uh, what if, what if? I think we're about to hear Vic's plan B. Vic's well, yeah, I think, I think you need a plan hey, B. Hey. Teddy, you need a plan B. Hey, okay, I'm right. Listen, we probably do. You're right. What is it, according to you? What I do don't you know. I don't know what it is, but I think, you know, we need to have one. Um, well, it sure felt like a bit set up. You mean you don't have anything? <laughs> I don't. I don't. You had it. You want to come down here and marry? I think that'd be kind of fun. You know, I mean, we could actually have it at my house. We could because I got a place in the back would be perfect for a marriage. Yeah, but you're you're in, you're in Orleans Parish. That's yeah, but it's work. my house. It's my freaking house. How you don't have you don't need a car to get in here. You get no. Well, that's true. no. I mean, I don't know. I'm well, just saying. I just um, I, I did. I don't, I don't want know. to bring it up, bum you out. But I mean, uh, Barack well, Obama's house in Martha Vineyard. We could do it there. <laughs> did you see some of the video from that thing? Oh, I know. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, it was. It was unbelievable. The people that were putting stuff on TikTok and Instagram, it was. I mean, I'm telling you, I I couldn't believe some of the stuff. I couldn't believe. Well, it's it. like a, uh, by the time they hear this, 
by the time right? you, by the time everybody hears this, it will have happened already. But in New York, where they'll tell you your kid can't be in school unless they're vaccinated and wearing a mask, they're having a big concert in Central Park. Mm-hmm. And then it even gets weirder when you start putting uh, Andrew Bocelli, Andre Bocelli with Santana and Bruce Springsteen. But that's another tragic story. Um, no, no, this show, yeah, this show will air before October first. Oh yeah, well there before October 1st, but not before that constant Central Park. So, but yeah, my guess is Obama can have a party, but Ted can't have a wedding. It's well, like of God. course, of course, of course. That's that's my point. You think it's you think it's going to become that bad in just a month and a half? Well, look well, what's happened. Look what's happened so in, in Orleans Parish in the last well, two weeks. So they seem, they or, seem to Orleans. only know they seem to only know what they know or willing to admit what they're willing to admit and do mm-hmm. what they bad. So. Just it was get vaccines, so we take our masks off, and then oh, now we got to put our mask back on. I mean, I'm only guessing. Uh, right. I think uh, the height of Delta will probably, in hindsight, be August. Um, it could potentially be September, but the height of taking action could be right about October first. So let's just say um, when this airs and this wedding happens, I give it a 35 percent chance of happening. You got to have a plan B, Ted. You better have a plan B. Wow. I'm serious. I started thinking about that, and I'd hate to have uh, Mary. If, if if Mary's heart is broken in this, I'm going to punch somebody right in the freaking face. <laughs> I am. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. Elbows, forearms, fists of fury. Now let's all have, let's turn this inward. Let's all have a personal conversation. Yeah. Who out of the three of us, which of us would rather have had our wedding than get all our money back and skip the ceremony? I know, exactly. Mine was a very cheap production, let me tell you. Uh, you know, no, mine was a... So was mine. Yeah, but... Uh, well, I actually, I actually had my second one. I, we went to Hawaii. That was that was nice. That's a, those destination weddings. I think those are the best. Well, I can tell you the two I paid for ran around six figures. So, you know, <laughs> that I can tell you. That I can well, tell you. Where was... Where was virus when you needed it? <laughs> I know, I know. Shoot, yeah. I know. You're the right. King of all, the king of all wedding planners, uh, the king of podcasts. I'm well, going to call a meeting with the wedding, the Mary Semper wedding planners. I'm going to call a meeting here, quick. Okay, you're hearing this podcast. Uh, I'm in the Coin Trader uh, Studios in Lakeview, and uh, we want to thank Pepsi Cola for being one of our po- uh, sponsors. Uh, Pepsi. The slogan is Pepsi. P E P S I. Um, and, of course, uh, Ted is in Baton Rouge, and he's on the phone. Uh, Michael's in, in Nashville on the phone. And, uh, you know, we the last two shows, uh, we've been talking about some things that you just can't avoid. You can't avoid these topics. You can't. I mean, they're part of your life. They're, they're, this is the new norm. And whether it's going to go away or not, I don't know. I do know this, that in Australia, the actual military is enforcing the vaccine law. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. And I'll do you one better. Oh yeah! And in New, and in New Zealand, they had one case of Delta. Yeah, and they I saw shut that. the whole country down. And one case in the last six months, wasn't no, it? No, and, and I'll do one better. If you read the fine print of it, not even confirmed case. One suspected <laughs> case, they shut the country down. And, and who was the guy? The, the uh, some some official from uh, Australia says even if you have a mask on, don't take your mask down to drink. Keep your mask on. He's got to put a little hole in it or something. Ridiculous. The lady from uh, somewhere, she said, I know you're inclined to go to the grocery store and you want to talk to people that you know. Let's refrain from doing that. No talking. Well, we've already had, and we've already had a Costco, the reports of toilet paper shortages. 
So there was probably the most stupid thing we did 18 months ago. It was yeah. the mad rush on toilet paper for a virus that doesn't even cause diarrhea. And yet here we go doing it again. That's why I keep telling you, expect it to be. That was like when, when Biden just erased everything with 39 executive order revoked and 40 new executive orders. He basically erased four years of Donald Trump. Well, I could predict what was coming next because I lived it. I lived it for eight years. You can expect a border problem. You can expect $3 gasoline. You can expect all this. And the same is true. So as they have these variants, if they're not interested in real virology and studying mm-hmm. real science, they're going to go mask, vaccine, shutdown, vaccine, mask, shutdown, shutdown, mask, vaccine. Now, the good news is I don't think COVID, as we know it anyway, is going to be much of a battle for more than probably eight to 12 months. But a lot's going to happen in eight to 12 months, not the least of which is your wedding. Michael, I got a question yeah, for you. Right. I got a question for you because you're a, a true political analyst and a, and a professional and an author. And you get really big ratings there in Nashville. And you get to read all those live commercials. You make a ton of money. Um, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I would correct you, but I can't yet. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do you think y'all, do y'all think we just need to come to the face, to face the fact that COVID is never going away? So viruses are never going away. That you can yeah, say a, right. no, COVID itself, this particular battle, will go as away. A, as, a pol- as a political weapon, it'll go away, you say? Well, COVID itself will. It only has a shelf life probably of about 8 to 12 more months. Uh, but you'll have different viruses by then. I mean, do we plan to be this hysterical over every virus? Um, so the, the desire to get away with, remember what I told you guys in a long, an episode a long time ago? They, they kind of pooped their pants a little bit. They noticed that they could get you, they could control you in fear and fear of, of being sick or dying with COVID the way they could never get you to fear global warming. And yeah, so they have right. found a way to control you. They're not going to give that up until you take it away. COVID yeah, itself will run its course in a year, but they'll be the next virus. You have a different virus strain every two years. This mm-hmm. is the first one we decided to just say, oh, let's, let's destroy America with it. If that's what it takes to destroy Donald Trump, sorry, I said it. Nobody else is going to say it out loud. And now, and now they're excited that oh, not only can we destroy Donald Trump, we could probably make a run and destroy America because there's a lot of people that really want that. Okay, Mike, I want to yeah. ask you a question. <laughs> okay, okay, here it comes. But, yesterday, back, yesterday, man. yesterday was one of those <laughs> days. Yesterday was one of those days where I really didn't want to do nothing, so I watched day baseball all day. All right, so I'm watching the Tigers. And I think they were playing the Royals. I can't believe. Yeah, I think they were playing the Royals. The Tigers are Royals. And I'm watching the game, and they're up 10-2 in the sixth inning. I, I doze off. I doze off. I wake up there. The, the, the game's over. Yeah, so I go into the next. I'm watching the next game. I think there was a, a Yankee game or somebody. I, I, don't, I don't know. I watched three games. They all blended together. I watched, of course, the Dodgers at night. I always watch the Dodger games. And... um so I, I, I wake up from my little doze off and I'm like, God, they lost 13 to 10. Well, I remember in the election, when it was time for the election, it was about 11 o'clock here in New Orleans, central time. And I mean, this, this mm-hmm. thing's in the bag. It's, it's in the bag. Trump's going to win this. Thing. It's in the bag. I go to bed and I wake up and, you know, it was kind of like the Tiger game yesterday. And, you know, you know, Forrest Gump once said that stupid is what stupid does. And, you know, the, uh, the fa- now, now take a, take you know put aside what happened in Georgia. They changed the rules, and they Nevada, and you know what were the other states? Michigan was one. What were the ones they changed the rules and the mail in no, votes? The yeah, the mail in votes. Do, do you think any of these people, the ones that legitimately voted for him, not the ones that if you believe in conspiracies and steals and rigs and all that, 
you think any of them are really seriously second guessing their decision? That's a great question. And the answer is yes, but no, they won't admit it. And B, they're not going to change their behavior and, and partisan blindness in the future. And C, if they can weaponize the next election, they will. Why they've already tried to make the inconsistencies and the unconstitutionalities of the last mm-hmm. election normal with H.R. 1. So in terms of the how does it end up being 13 to 10 while the Tigers stink, in terms of how the election looked one way at 10 p.m. Eastern time and then all counting stopped and then looked ridiculously different by morning, some of that was legit. Some of that was how the early voting was, was added first uh, The and how states are loaded. In other words, whenever I'm doing a live election coverage, I know what portions of the state are being uh, loaded first and what are being last. Now, I'm not being conspiracy theory oriented, but I will tell you they purposely in Pennsylvania, a very key swing state, loaded the, the far left Biden numbers and those that were impacted the most by walk up voting, by what was inconsistent in terms of absentee voting uh, and, and loaded it last. And that would make some people believe, well, gee, you waited to see how much you were losing by so you could make up what you needed to win. And I get that. So part of me would tell you it's how they load the numbers, which is why in some states, uh, Trump was up quite a bit. And I said, this is still a nail biter. And people are like, why are you saying that? And I'm saying because they haven't loaded the absentee and whether it's legit or whether it's fraud, the majority of the absentee is clearly. Now, this is something that Donald Trump has to own. And you guys and, and those that listen to your podcast need to understand. Donald Trump made a strategic error. He made the strategic error to fight absentee voting rather than engage it and encourage people to participate in it. So he left that portion of voting unchallenged and able to be dominated by Biden supporters. I never thought that's of that. Why I knew, and I knew that that would be loaded last. So some of it was real. Some of it was probably abused. And then some of the counting and who was allowed to witness the counting is clearly fraudulent. People, uh, they were never supposed to canvas areas. You were supposed to get an absentee ballot if you requested it. What we found out is they were just canvassing areas. Everyone was getting one, in some cases more than one, and nobody can tell you how many times they were counted. So we made some clear mistakes, and they did some clear weaponizing of COVID to put it in their advantage. Or what they admit to in the Time Magazine manifesto was the shadow campaign to save the democracy and then, of course, they would want all of us to be fired if we were suggested in any way they tried to steal the election. Can't say steal, but can say shadow campaign to save the democracy. You do the math on which it was. But that's how they did it. Um, the question is, are they going to do it in the future? Uh, I, I had hoped this week, with everything going on in Afghanistan, that everyone would realize elections matter for America to tomorrow, but for Afghanistan today. And that those voters played a role in the fate of these Afghan children, these Afghan women, and these Afghan citizens who courageously aided us throughout our 20 years there that are now going to be, you know, hunted down and killed. Because your election votes played a role in that as well. I suspect no. Uh, I will tell you this. I think if Donald Trump is on the ballot, you can expect it. If he's not, then I expect the midterm election to go heavily to the Republicans, and I expect not going to be Joe Biden. It's not going to be Kamala Harris. Uh, it's certainly not going to be Mar- or, uh, Andrew Cuomo or or no. uh, Gavin Newsom. Um, and I think they'll lose as well. So the answer is yes, they regret it. And the only thing that would make them unite and do it again 
is the, is the one thing that trumps that, and that is their hatred for Donald Trump, which people need to realize is not a hatred for Trump. It's hatred for anybody that believes in God, anybody that believes in the Constitution, anybody that prioritizes liberty and freedom and our amendments and the life of the unborn. You're, I mean, Hillary Clinton was the only one that slipped and said it out loud. They think you're deplorable. They believe in an administrative state of a run by elite, and you are not the elite. And that's why they'll control your life with COVID. They'll control it with race. They'll control it with cancel culture. And they'll uh-huh. control it with elections. If you I'm let them. My if you let them. And my advice <laughs> hey, would hey, be. what about. Don't let What them about go. the China, the uh, Chinese with their cyber attack on the voting machine? Any, val- any validity to that? Well, I, I, how could I answer that? Um, you know, there's well, so many things. You, from, you from didn't the, the Michael Lindell Symposium, did you? Well, no, I saw that, but I mean, there's no way of proving that, and no one's even investigated and sought to prove it. Just like exactly. the sham right. of an investigation into January 6th. Nobody yeah. asked. If you knew there was a threat on the Capitol, and you knew the CIA, the CIA had reported it to you, you know the Capitol Police, you knew that the uh-huh. Secret Service all requested National Guard backup, who denied it? And the answer mm-hmm. is Nancy Pelosi, because we know that the the sergeant of arms and the Capitol Police report to the secretary, um, the speaker of the House. So the, the point is, they tried to create that. There was no real investigation. There's been no reinve- there's been no real investigation on the election. And so the answer is, for all the red flags that came up in that election process, it was enough mm-hmm. to keep the narrative. This is the far right, not trying to acknowledge the election. By the way, the far right that is now being treated as domestic terrorists, and and that's from the house from the, and that's from Homeland Security. Anybody that believes that that a person is a person before they're born is a right wing extremist and a domestic terrorist. Anybody that thinks that there was yeah. uh, any election fraud is a right wing extremist and potential of an insurrection. Well, so my- they just turned and made it an enemy. Nobody's investigated to prove what really happened. Sorry for interrupting. Um- my prediction is the next nominee for the Democratic Party is going to be Cardi B. Cardi B. Cardi B, baby. Cardi B, Cardi baby. Me. Yeah, crank it up. Crank it up. Tweak into the next century. Man. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You know, um, we're getting to the time, kind of the end of the road here on this podcast, and it's time now for the king of all podcasting to to tell you a little little something that you may not know about yourself. Ted, you may not know this about yourself. Michael, you may not know this about yourself. I certainly know it about myself. And that is, you know, natural responses, unlike our normal character, they do happen. They do happen. Uh, my father-in-law, 89 years old, we talked about it on a previous episode, uh, ended up with COVID and quarantined him at my house. And he was so sore. He had this soreness. And every time I, I drove and hit a bump, oh, oh. So then we're trying to get him up the stairs, which is 24 steps at my house. Uh, many times I have feared being pushed by someone. But it's, it hasn't, <laughs> hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet. And she's, she's got a good sidekick. And I'd be down, but I'd never survive that. But thank God she hasn't. Um, but I was carrying him up the stairs. And my father-in-law is a godly man. I mean, when I met him in 1982, he was a completely different dude. And this guy is just the sweetest guy on earth. He really is. He's easy to love. And we're carrying him up the stairs. And with every step, he's going, oh, oh shit. You know, he's, he's saying words you wouldn't normally hear him say. You know, and I started thinking about, well, those are natural responses. And I started thinking about how thankful I am of the toe stubbing. I'm thankful. <laughs> 
that I get to stub my toe now and then. So that my natural responses, unlike my natural, my, my normal character, come out. And uh, But I use, uh, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but I, use, I, I throw the F-bombs when I stub my toe. Now, normally when I stub my toe, I'm just by myself. You know, it's not usually something that happens in front of people. And when it does, you know, I have to, you know, you got to catch it. You got to catch it. It starts to come out and you catch it. And, um, and you know, the, the big toe stub is one thing. But when you stub that pinky oh, toe. Oh, the pinky. Get oh, to the my, pinky toe. You stub that pinky toe. And like every superlative. Oh, yeah. You never know what's going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> and it really got made me think. I started thinking, you know. There's something that's so painful, so excruciating at the time. I'm kind of thankful because it shows my true character. And I know it will you too. So the next time you stub your toe, be thankful. And that is the rest of the story. By the way, it is a research medical fact that when you swear, it helps students pain more. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. No, it is. Actually, Google it. It is true. Well, how about yeah. Kurt, Kurt Warner? Who is a who's a real you know godly guy, and his story is incredible. I can't believe no one's made a movie about Kurt Warner yet. But um, Mac Boy, the Super Bowl, <laughs> MVP. But uh, he threw a bunch of f bombs on the field. You know, uh, when he'd get hit mm-hmm. or something and stuff like that. And I remember uh, what's his name, Haley, the assistant coach. He's coached a bunch of. You now he's on Sirius Radio. He, he was always arguing with him. And uh, but you know, those are natural responses that come out, and they mm-hmm. are somewhat soothing. You know, yeah. I really do believe that, that they are somewhat soothing. Just for the moment. It does not, the soothing doesn't last very long, but it is. Uh, is we are no way endorsing last. foul language and all over the Oh, world. no. Simply no. a rest of the story, anecdotal story. Now, Michael, can we count on you to share this show to your followers? Ted, tell them. Share the show, Michael. <laughs> I will share the show and encourage you all to subscribe. And the multitude of followers that you have there. In and, and your I people mean, know me. Your people know me. They like me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They like they, they love, love you. I got to tell you love something, Ted. He comes on the show for two, three days. They're they're clamoring for a Mike and Vic podcast. <laughs> Nobody, they leave it out to our little brother, Ted. They just leave what? it out. Well, I this you, you've never had yeah. me on your WTN show. Right? Well, mean, you come to town and don't call. That's what happens well, there. Well, I'll tell you what, you'll do a lot better. You'll do I do apologize for that. You even went to the ball and you even went to the ballpark without me. Don't think ah, I don't see you on Facebook. That was that was, oh, that was low. you didn't even comment. Tell him about how you we went to the game. Back. Tell him about how we were heckling. I, Who were we heckling at the game, t- uh, Michael? At the game we went to? Michael, I do usually call you. You know that I do, and I, it was it was a business trip. Okay, is that a good excuse? No, you don't. But I had to spend, <laughs> I had to spend my un, uh, my other my time with uh, my wife's family. I I just had to. That's okay. But, uh, but Vic, next Vic, time, I took, I took Vic to the game, and he made a lasting yeah. impact on the First Horizon Park staff. <laughs> really, oh, a yeah. lasting impact. That's a great ballpark. I loved it. He asked the mail promotions guy to strip for us. Yeah, who who is who is the guy we were heckling? <laughs> who is the guy? The big guy, the chubby guy. Oh, I don't. He plays for the Milwaukee Brewers. He played for the Seattle Mariners for a long time. He's very very heavy. What's his name? Vic <laughs> just rode him the whole game. You know, it was like a three two count with two outs, and he goes, "Oh boy, you're gonna have to run now." You know, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he was a low. He was wearing his baseball pants low. You know, below the belly. Mm-hmm. And with every at bat, they kept getting lower and lower. And before you know it, he kind of looked like uh, one of my plumbers. 
And then I was telling them, anyway, we, we were all over hey, on What was the name of the guy on the uh, sound to place for the Brewers that's overweight? It's Hockenbach. Vogelback. Vogie. Vogelback. Yeah, Vogel. Vogel. I was calling him Vogie. Hey, Vogie. And so then there, was a, then there was a time when there was a break in the action, and Vogie's talking to the umpire, and the umpire's writing something down. And I'm going, Vogie, uh-huh. hey, man, you can't place an order before you're at bat. He's <laughs> called Grubhub. Grubhub. He was very self-conscious. He was constantly, you know how people do it and pull it on the front of their shirt? Like his yeah. uniform was too tight. I felt sorry yeah. for him. Vic was that uh, We never got a ball. Eh, I was, I was, you know, I guess I was, a, you know, I got in his head a little bit. But anyway, it was a lot of fun going to Nashville. I want to thank the people in Nashville. We had a great time. And Michael, thanks for being on these last two shows. Of course, uh, My pleasure. We, you can find yeah. uh, all over the road and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And uh, uh, we, we miss Nick. Nick couldn't come because of, uh, you know, the quarantine situation here at the Coin Trader Studios. And uh, hopefully we'll have him back soon. And Derek is finishing up shooting on his uh, Selling the Big Easy. We'll have, have him back on soon. Uh, Luke Hawks' television show is, is debuted a couple weeks ago on the Stars Network. Yeah, well, uh, sure did. Did you watch and, uh, it? Did you watch it? I, I didn't. No, I don't have stars. It's excellent. So I can't see it. It's excellent. I, I've seen some reviews. Yeah, reviews are coming in really positive. It's called Heels. It, it is for uh, adult an adult audience, so there are some clips in there that they, mm-hmm. they, they probably should, didn't need to have, but they I don't know. They have to have them, I guess. I don't know. But Stars is a, is a, is a movie channel, is a movie service, and uh, it's called Heels, and I'm telling you, it is very well done. It is great. Great. Uh, I watched episode one. I'm going to continue to watch it, but I got to watch it when, you know, everybody's not around, unfortunately. But Luke Hawks is a very dear friend of mine. I've known him since he was a 12 year old boy when I coached him at Jefferson Playground in baseball, made a baseball player out of a juvenile delinquent city, is basically what I did. But, uh, Michael, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Teddy. Yes, my, sir. Thank you. Thank brother you, thank Broadcasting, you. you need to do a good job in editing this sucker, and uh, we will see you next time on All Over the Road, the podcast. This is the king of all podcasting, Victor Del Giorno, saying so long, everybody, and don't ever shave those armpits. Come on, this coin trader studios are bringing it live. And who am I? I go by the name of Darkest Night. And Jada Hoyos is the one who brings a sick beat. To which we're getting pumped for topics this week. So let me grab my great soda and take a sip. While I turn it over to Katie, Nick, Ted, and Vic. It's all over. We're all over the road. We got a brand new show. So just lo and behold. From the bayou to the city to the burps to the swamps. You better know what time it is when you're hearing that. You know, Ted, uh, I think steam is beginning to pick up with the listener line. You feel it? I do. Yeah, good. Especially since you put the new, the correct uh, number on the uh, on the website. It, it did help dramatically <laughs> yeah. to uh, actually have the correct number posted. Yes, it did. And that was designed to do what, Nick? To drive people to, to call in and leave a message and get us to do either something or uh, just ask us a question, anything that's on their mind. They can drop by anytime. And we want to hear their what, Ted? Their stories. Story. We want to hear their stories. This is what we promise you in season three. More stories, more stories, more, more stories. stories. And one other thing, much cleaner underwear. 601-66-768-8366. That's it. That's the one. That's the correct number. Is your phone listening to your conversations? Have you ever been talking about buying a new item of clothing or trying a new diet and the exact same advertisement appears suddenly on social media? Hmm. Whilst tech giants like Facebook and Apple strongly deny these conspiracy theories, I'll let you guys decide.
but I must admit, I do have my suspicions. Sophone, are you listening to me? Yes, I am listening to you. Your conversations are better than Netflix. All Over the Road, New Orleans is brought to you by Coin Trader Inc. Mind your money.